This podcast is part of the TrekSphere network. To find more Star Trek-related content, visit treksphere.com. This is a measurement episode. If you haven't, if you are not aware, um, if this is not what you were looking for, then please exit out now or give us a try. No, stay. Yeah, yeah stay. Just, stick around. Just stay. <laughs> it's like yeah. 36 minutes and 46 seconds. Won't, won't take too much of your time. Uh, you can finish your lunch while you're listening to us. Um, but it is our continuing mission to explore what makes Star Trek proper Star Trek. Now, if you hate Star Trek, stick around anyway because, you know, you might enjoy us. Uh, but we, we want to know whether or not it's quality Star Trek or if it's just good or bad TV. Um, kind of another afternoon special. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. um, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And the criteria by which we judge these episodes, number one, is there science fiction inherent to the plot? Number two, is that science fiction unique or novel in some way? And number three, is there an, a moral or ethical dilemma presented by the episode? I'm Paul. And I'm Jonathan. And this week we watched Family Business, which is episode... <laughs> 23 of season three of Deep Space Nine. I do like the idea that uh, anybody who accidentally started listening to this, the intersection of people who accidentally clicked on a Star Trek podcast <laughs> and have also seen this episode, uh, I'm saying maybe there's two people on the planet. Two people that this would happen to who by accident? Accidentally clicked on our podcast and they were like, oh, I know this episode. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. I have seen this episode, yeah. Well, I like the idea Two of them, people. like, searching family business, and this episode, and this podcast came up, and they were like, oh, let's try this. <laughs> well, I think those two people are you and me. We're the only it's ones that accident. the search comes up for? Well, no, the two people that I said this would happen to who have seen this episode and don't want to listen to a Star Trek podcast but accidentally did, that's us. That's you and me. <laughs> so the blurb says, An agent named Brunt from the Ferengi Commerce Authority serves Quark with a writ of accountability for improper supervision of a family member. And that's the Netflix blurb, right? That's the Netflix blurb, yeah. As often as possible, right. which as of right now is only DS9 and TNG, but as often as right. possible we are using the Netflix blurb because... It's so bad. <laughs> well, and accurate to Netflix to historical Netflix blurbs. Yes, because this is exactly what happens in the cold open. Um, I do want to say, like we we made it through two episodes without pointing out the uh, the connection, um, the last episode and the episode before that. But our random generator jumped from the Enterprise incident to the Andorian incident, which I can't believe we missed two weeks in a row. Yeah. I'm not even talking about I know. it. That's crazy. It's nuts. But now, last week we had our introduction of Shran, which was Jeffrey Combs's character. And then this week we had our introduction of Brunt, which was Jeffrey Combs's character. I feel like this is a bit of a stretch on the generator making connections because he played so many characters. But to go from the introduction of one character to the introduction of another character, who are both long-running characters and played by the same actor, is pretty coincidental. That's pretty great. Yeah. I mean, I think the the generator works in mysterious ways it is impossible to predict right we do not uh, question why. the generator yeah <laughs> but uh i still think a, a poignant connection nonetheless right yes yeah this is this is this is like legitimate connection that, yeah. we, that it happened by accident yeah this is not tenuous at all yeah i feel like they should have renamed this episode the nothing connection <laughs> or no or the nothing incident that's the nothing incident the nothing okay just the nothing nothing <laughs> DS9-323, nothing. The, yeah. What happens? What happens in this episode? We have uh, nothing to talk about. Well, we, we learn that Quark's mother keeps her profits. No, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. 
I think the first thing we learned is that Ben Sisko has never tossed a salad in his life. And or maybe Avery Brooks has never tossed a salad. I'm gonna keep saying toss the salad. Yeah. Because like, that's still is it still a bad like is there still kind of a <laughs> an innuendo there or have we moved on? You that? should call badge it out. <laughs> <laughs> he's preparing a salad. Right? There you go. Yeah. And he's got the two tongs or whatever. And I've never seen somebody – he must have thought the camera wasn't on the salad right. because he does nothing to it. Yeah. And then he sprinkles nothing onto some more nothing and then moves it around. It's, I don't know. It's just It just struck me. It's like it's, if you're opening your episode with somebody preparing food, why don't you make, why don't you make it interesting? Like it, he's just kind of just, just, just touching the lettuce. Uh-huh. Touches the lettuce. Yeah. Like he, pats the lettuce down with it just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> like just making sure that the food is still there. Yeah. I thought this was – Science fiction. <laughs> I mean, maybe anyway. maybe that's how you toss salads in sci-fi episodes of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sci-fi approach to tossing a salad, to preparing a salad. Uh, well, it was nothing like what I expected, having my <laughs> salad tossed. Right. <laughs> this is what all the people are talking about? This is I know. not exciting at all. And I thought it couldn't get any worse than this. But okay, so this scene where he's tossing the salad, uh, they introduce this whole thread of Cassidy Yates, Captain Cassidy Yates. Yes, and we're at the point now (laughs) where this this woman who's been in the show has died and come back to life like so many times. I have no idea what's what's going on with the show (laughs) because because (laughs) she she keeps showing up and it's always these really uh, important moments in her life. She just died. She just came back to life. They just met. I've now met her mirror universe counterpart that I'm very confused as to what's going on with this character. But so we've this met person, his wife. Oh, his wife dies. Yeah. Right. Oh, I thought I thought that she dies too. No, Cassidy never dies. Like Cassidy, I I'm actually kind of That's sur- right. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they they introduced her um this early on, which I think is great because she does stay as a as kind of a side character until the last season where I think they do get married and then he becomes a prophet. But yeah, like that's right. Well, this isn't that late. This is like almost fourth season. I know it's almost fourth season, but I thought she was introduced in like the fifth or sixth season. I didn't realize that she like she was introduced early enough where it seems like there was actually a character arc plan going on for Cisco. I conjoined his dead wife who was dead at the beginning of the season or the the season he's and and also at the beginning of the show Um, she's just she's the kenny of deep space nine you know every time she shows up she dies right but anyway they see this person that everybody wants cisco to go out and date with this these are the stakes by the way they're setting up the high stakes for this episode and then the second like the cold open closer the cold uh, the the what do they call it? The hard out? Yeah. The whatever they, we have a name for it in the business. Uh, is that Quark's reputation as a entrepreneur is at stake because his mother is making money. Right. That's it. Those are the stakes. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, I will say, know. okay, so this is, very, this is interesting. So this whole scene starts with Quark at his bar. It's very frenetic. It's very busy. He's making, he's filling a lot of tickets, as it were, uh-huh. and complaining about Mog, who I don't actually remember who that is. Mog? 
Nog? Nog. Nog. Joining Starfleet. Well, no, Nog is Nog is his brother, isn't Nephew. He? Rom is his brother. Oh, Rom. Got it. Okay. So what's interesting is that it's a oneer, meaning they never cut. So they're kind of following him around, doing everything that he's doing. And it's kind of a long take. And if you think about it, especially in something like this, where they're taking plates off and putting plates on and putting stuff into glasses and taking glasses out. Like whenever they redo that, whenever they do take two, they have to reset all that stuff. Yep. So it probably takes five times as long to reset the the set, <laughs> all the props, um, as it does to just film the scene. Yeah. So I yeah, found that agree interesting. That. Yeah. But it's interesting too because like it probably overall takes just as long. It just looks more impressive. As, and it only looks impressive if you notice it because I didn't notice it. I wasn't paying attention to that. Um, sure. But the amount of time that it takes to do the multiple scenes and have the quick reset and the quick shoot versus the long reset and the quick shoot, it probably equals out to the same amount of time. Maybe, but it, it is much more difficult to do really long takes because oh, I know. if you mess up one line at the very end of it, you got to start all the way at the beginning. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. So, so it, I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point. It comes across as more impressive, but only if you notice it. Otherwise, you know, you're doing it, you're doing it just to show off that you can do it. Because, like, I don't think that there was any reason for this scene to be in one take. No. You know? Other than they didn't have enough time. Right. Like, there... Although they should have had plenty of time because it obviously took 15 minutes to write this episode. And so they should have had all the time <laughs> it would normally take a good take to write a good episode. They could have oh. used that in the shooting. So, <laughs> everybody who was in this episode, like, sings its praises. The, the producers, the directors, Why? the writers, the actors... <laughs> the only person who didn't happens. like it was Moogie because of her prosthetics. She um, she did not enjoy how long it took to the point where she actually did not come back when they wanted uh, Quark's mom to come back in the following episodes. So I will say that the acting is spot on. Yep. Everybody is doing a a absolutely incredible job with their characters. Yeah, nobody felt uncomfortable. Nobody felt like they were mailing it in. Yeah. Yeah. It just was not interesting of an episode. <laughs> Nothing happens. It's not even science fiction. Right. At all. At all. I'm like pissed off. <laughs> like why how do these how do these episodes get greenlit? Well, like this is this is like B plot, maybe. We need to get Quark off the ship or off the station for some reason. Let's have him do this bullshit with his family, whatever. And let's get to the the science fiction, interesting time travel, war, space wars thing. Mm. You know, I think I think you're right. Like it probably could have been condensed to be emotionally impactful if the if there was like if if the a plot was split between two episodes as a b plot. So we established the Ferengi world and all that sort of thing in another episode. And hit like his relationship with his mother. You know, we did we did all of that in one episode, and then we had the conflict from this episode in a B plot in another episode. So the emotional development had already been set, so we could have the emotional payoff in another episode, and that way we could have like really solid sci-fi A plots going on in those two episodes as well. Because you're right, like both of these were just relationship situations. But I think you're you're right. Like I. I really enjoyed this episode, but I enjoyed this episode because I enjoy character episodes when they're done well. 
and I know that you don't, but you're right. Like this is there. There's no sci-fi. The moral and ethical dilemma was was solid and very obvious, but there's no sci-fi whatsoever. Yes. So I think we should point out that this is. I mean, this seems to happen a lot in in DS9, mm-hmm. where they have these heavy-handed social commentaries that nobody would really disagree with, even in the time. I mean, I think I, I think they're making a a heavy-handed statement about uh, female equality, ob- obviously, but in a way that nobody can really disagree. Like, who's going to disagree with this idea? Right. Right? I think if, if you're trying to make a point, you make the point that is a little bit more relatable, which is not uh, should women be able to wear clothing and make money. I mean, I, I, guess, I guess they're juxtaposing a ridiculous idea of women can't wear clothes, women can't wear money, or wear money. They can wear money if they want. <laughs> With uh, this is just as ridiculous as women not making as much money as men. Maybe that was the idea, but it just feels so after school special. And also every single scene where they were addressing this was the same. Quark was right steadfast in his idea that you're being selfish, mom. And this, of course, being a selfish statement on his part as well. You're being selfish, mom. Uh, look what you're doing to the rest of the family. She's saying, no, I do I, I have just as much of a right to make money and wear clothing as you do. And nothing really happens. There's no arc. Nobody comes to any conclusion except that she seems to love her, her sons more than her need to uh, up, upheave the system. Right. Yeah. And Cork never came to accept that. And Cork just, Cork just is like, oh, great. Now life can go back to normal. My right. reputation is saved. My money is saved. Yeah. That's all that he cares about. And it just made Cork look like an a-hole. Right. And I know that he's not supposed to be goody two-shoes, but there are occasions where he does show some sympathy and empathy for people, you know? So I, I don't know. It made him just look bad. Yeah. The person that I liked the most was Rom. Right. Well, and a lot of the things that he was saying were very cringy. Like, I get that it's Ferengi and it's the society and all that kind of thing. But just watching it through a human lens, you know, is just like he she was saying, um, like, uh, aside from being female, you know, and he's like, that's all the reason you need. Yeah, I, I think I think they were trying to show how ridiculous the inequality between men and women is. Right. So I, I think that must that must have been it. But I just hate that they chose this medium to do that. Yeah. Based on what I was reading, it doesn't seem like that was the overall intention. Like it doesn't it it didn't seem like it was supposed to be a reflection of the inequality in our culture. It was just showing more about the Ferengi culture, and they they had kind of decided that to do so, they wanted somebody who was going to upset that culture. And as the as the writing progressed, they decided it would be Quark's mom. Okay. Well, I I felt like they could have done it in a less heavy handed way. Sure. It did feel like they were trying to lecture us. Right. Yeah. Which <laughs> I I feel like it's one of those things where you see it there. A because it's currently happening in in the world anyway. But you see it there because we have a culture where the females are not equal. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Then watching this, you know, it's like, oh, they're just trying to send the message that women aren't equal. Then why not choose a topic that wasn't so relatable, I guess? Mm -hmm. Why not choose something that's a little bit more alien? Right. Which they can do. They've done it before. Yeah. But I felt like this whole idea of an oppressed, even if if the allegory is not women, but um, 
another group of of minority, whatever that might be. Not that women are minority, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. I mean, I just feel like there's a way to do that that's a little bit more creative. Because, I mean, you have to admit, it did feel like they were saying the same thing in every scene. Oh, yeah. They weren't exploring anything. They were just hitting us over the head with it. There were little bits of information, you know, like Quark staying up all night, seeing how many, how much profit she genuinely had. Um, and her talking about, like, not being able to address people or to or to be dressed. Um you know, but it, you're, it was it was the same argument, just different topics. Like I wanted, right. I want to do this. Well, you can't because you're female. Well, I want to do this. Well, you can't because you're female. Right. Yeah. It was over and over and over again. Yep. There were a few things that popped up to me though. Number one, was there hair growing out of the mom's ears, or was it just a weird negative space thing where it was just black and it looked like hair? Because it looked like a huge tuft of hair coming out of both of her ears. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this. Either, I, but I didn't. But I do know that her makeup was almost an exact replica of um, Sean Wallace's like Grand Nagus. Uh, okay. And so, so maybe I just don't remember whether or not his had hair. So w- once I saw that, I could not unsee it, and that's all <laughs> I was watching for the whole episode. Right. Just this gigantic like tuft of pubes coming out of her her head. Uh huh. Uh, I don't know if it was more entertaining or less entertaining. Uh, it's anyway, very distracting, I can imagine. Yes, very distracting. Uh, and then uh, Nog, Brog, no, Rom. Rom. Rom and Cork fight. A little tuffle, mm-hmm. tussle. Yep. And at 1.5 speed, very entertaining. Yes. <laughs> yep. Much well, and that was, that was a moment, too, where I... I would have liked to have seen more of a brotherly thing there where like maybe like Quark genuinely hurts Rom and he then becomes apologetic and sympathetic towards him. You know, just how, how brothers are like you, you, you want to kill your brother until you actually hurt your brother. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been, that would yeah, have been fun true. to see. Or even the other way around. Cause, cause Rom is definitely portrayed as the sweet boy. Right. And finally, he, I guess he already had, he has a moment like that later where yeah. he kind of lays the law down. I like the idea that he was, he's always deferential to his mother and to Quark, that all of a sudden he's putting his foot down. I guess mm-hmm. that would have been a little bit more fun for me, uh, which I guess I got. I got a little bit. Yeah. So it just, it was, it was played very quickly, you know, of just them saying, uh, Rom, you said I got to keep all the profits. Rom, you said, you said that they were going to split it 50 50. And and then he just says, you know, yes, I lied to both of you, but it's because you're doing a blah, 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 and I'm going to go take a nap. And that was the end of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so another thing that that I noticed was we got a little bit more, I guess, expression of the financial system, which is Lat- uh, Latinum. Is it Latinum or Latinum? Like L-I-T-I or L-I-T-N? It's L-A-T- L-A-T-I, and so it just depends on who says it. Anyway, what's the value of these things? Because they say gold pressed latinum, gold pressed latinum, yeah. And I, is so is there another kind that is not gold pressed that is worth less, or is the is just a shorthand? Latinum is gold pressed latinum. Ooh, good question. And, I and I, how much are these? How, how much are these things worth? Right, because they seem to be handing them out. I think they're like worth twenty bucks. Well, there there are strips and there are bars, and there is and, a they, and so when they were tipping each other, when they were doing the naked gun back and forth, <laughs> tipping each other, uh. Was that those were strips or those were bars? Those were strips. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah I'm going to put those at like twenty bucks. Sure, I can see that. 
I also liked that moment too. Sorry, where he climbs the stairs and he just has that moment where he says he talks about something going down in value. You remember that? Where you like you like yeah when he shows up at the whatever yeah he talks about like those are the steepest forty flights of stairs I've ever had to climb up, but seven strips of latinum for an elevator is just highway robbery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. And then he just turns the corner and he's like, oh, the price of whatever you know self uh, self sealing stem bolts went down. Huh. Yeah, and then he just keeps walking. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the idea of somehow this society that is totally obsessed and myopic about obtaining wealth uh, somehow manages to to thrive. And even even where half their population, theoretically, if, if their genetics work the same way that humans do, right. uh, is subjugated and a lower class, etc., that they're able to kind of the same conversation as how do Klingons get into space? How do Ferengi get into space? Um, Cause you need, it's not just about financial ability to get into space. There has to be some kind of consensus around the world, I guess, right. of your planet to get to that spot, I would think. Mm-hmm. But, but it was interesting. I would love to see more detail about how that stuff works. Get into the nitty gritty for me. You know, because right now it's kind of cartoony where you have to pay to sit down into a chair. Right. And that doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, I guess it's an alien, so anything goes, but it's got to make some sense, right? It's got to flow a little bit. Yeah. But it could also be, I mean, that's the only place that does it because it is the, essentially the chamber of commerce. Yeah, but I I feel like everything is is so cartoonishly done in that they are just completely upset it's the only thing on their mind right is is money and yeah. I, I don't know i, I yeah, we see it'd be cool if they could find a way to get get us to that spot how does a society do that right well i mean if you go back to their original appearance they're they're so different um yeah they're more like monsters yeah <laughs> like nerdy monsters right right um and I'm, I'm excited to talk about that episode whenever we get to it um, I don't even know which one yeah. it is. Didn't we already watch it? We watched one. It's the one where they they implant Picard or they take control of Picard's mind to as revenge. Right, but I'm thinking of the one where they're on the planet and they're using the the like phaser oh, yeah. whips. Um, right. They're like they're like stranded on the planet or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. We'll get to it. Um, but I did. I did also. It's it's probably my favorite relationship dynamic out of anything uh, when it's when it's done in this way. Where uh, Cisco is talking to Dax, and he just treats her as a colleague, and he calls her old man and all that kind of thing. Like that's my favorite relationship dynamic overall. And you know, just that moment where they were talking about him seeing Cassidy. And, you know, and he, he's like, tell me, tell me, like, is, is she worth all this hype? You know, and she's like, well, if I had been Curzon, I would have already stolen her from you. And he says something like, that's why I'm glad you're not him anymore. Well, so this is the thing is that their relationship is less camaraderie and more flirty. I don't I, I, I maybe I'm missing something or I'm just misreading it. But it always reads to me as somewhat flirty, like they're always will they won't they type of thing or are they? And we don't know. <laughs> and it's just sort of a side thing that nobody talks about. Right. I mean, I think obviously being a, a trill and a symbiote and not all that kind of thing, she's definitely pansexual. And so 
I just, I think that she just comes across as flirty in general. And she, she just confides a lot. Like that's how she has a lot of conversations. And yeah, but Cisco's like winking at her. I don't wink at you. It's like, well, I'm glad you're not over there. Wink, wink. That I, nobody, our friends don't wink at each other unless you're doing it ironically. Right. I don't know though. Like if I mean, we, if we were, if we were bros and just not through a sex change, but like through a genuine of like, we transferred your brain into a female <laughs> body. I could see, I could see the relationship changing to just a, a very like non-sexual flirty, which is not a thing, but like it would, it, it would kind of be like the stupid game well, that kids like all chicken out. Well, okay. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Cause I didn't know what that is, but if I were to be transplanted into a woman's body, I would immediately have to disown all of my male friends because I, I don't want now my friends lusting after me sure i don't want that i don't want that dynamic mm-hmm. of like i want to still have the same relationship when you weren't sexually attracted to me right you know mm-hmm. so that would be weird now i don't know if sexual stuff is transmitted if a gender kind of thing when you're a trill how that works um, maybe you're just kind of neutral like maybe i, I, don't, I don't i don't know how that works or how it would work. We'll have to read up on the books. Well, they, they do a that. very weird thing of severing all ties when the trill changes. This is why, right? Well, then how come Cisco gets to still be friends? Right. And I, that's the thing. Like, it's got to be only on the planet. Because there is an episode later on where Dax runs into an old flame. And they rekindle their relationship. And it's shunned by the trill society because... It's a it's a relationship of a previous host, and I, I don't remember like how far the the shunning goes. You know, if if like you are supposed to completely ostracize yourself from everybody, or if it's just the people that you had relationships with, like romantic ones. Um, but they they do have some kind of rule about that. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you're kind of becoming a new person. So anyway, the ending of this is basically. The mom says, yes, of course, I will I will relinquish. I will admit to doing wrong, and I will take off my clothing, and I will sign the thing, and all will be right because I love my sons. Quark is restored, goes back, very happy ending. We then, we, we then find out that uh, she lied to her son and that she's keeping two-thirds of the money and will probably end up making more. I liked that ending. I thought it was very apropos of what I would expect a society like this would how they would behave that you you can trash your family too you can lie to your family mm-hmm. uh even in this uh for the sake of profit i like that i i felt like it was a little too nice tied bow on the, at the at the end like there should have been left i guess more to to be discovered well developed. right but that, that's that's kind of my point like when you said that nothing happens like court goes back to thinking that his mother relinquished all of her profits and she's not going to do it anymore and the mother is still making profits, and she's just talking about how she's going to try to hide it better. And right, nothing, nothing changes. Nothing changed. Yeah, yeah. It just felt too like even the music felt very, you know, you. It was a happy ending, right? Because everybody got what they wanted. Yeah. But episodic television doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you kind of need something to propel us into the next episode. Right. I mean, well, kind of. No, episodic very much is 
tying everything up neatly in a bow for the next episode, and they've learned nothing. I guess that's true from the previous episode. You're right. You're right. But I, I guess the thing, I guess the cliffhanger in this was the relationship between Captain Yates and Captain Sisko or Commander Sisko. Commander Sisko. Captain Sisko. I think he's captain at this point, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Um, Okay. But yeah, and it was also, you know, it it was nice to actually have a button of, oh, this is why Jake thinks that they are going to get along well. Because she starts talking because about... Because baseball. Yeah, because baseball, you know. And it hasn't been played for two centuries, which, why? Like, why Why of yeah, all why the sports? Not? Like, I can understand football. I can Because it's it's actually already struggling, but just because they're finding more and more medical issues of, of all the tackling. But baseball? <laughs> well, it would have been great. It would have been excellent. If Jake, they set up Jake as sort of a, he he's a big sports guy. And uh, throughout the whole episode, uh, before they drop the bomb that baseball has not been played in two centuries, that he's going off for his very obscure sports practices. Like, yeah, I got I got water lacrosse in 15 minutes. What do you want? Dude? <laughs> right. Like lawn bowling is in 20 minutes. I got to go. You know, like <laughs> they still play all these ridiculous other sports, but baseball not played for two centuries. Right. Right. See, all these great ways to fix the episode. <laughs> but, but but they didn't do that. But but they didn't do that. But. I will say, so Cisco finally has his date with Captain Cassidy. Yeah. Captain. Yeah. What's her first name? Cassidy? Captain Cassidy Yates. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so they have the date and it's like the ball is dropped. Literally. And figuratively. No, not ball. The bomb. The ball is. Literally? Is maintained. <laughs> Doesn't he bring a baseball? Doesn't he always have a baseball with him? He's always playing with. I don't know. Anyway, they have their date. And it ends really well, and they walk off to uh, Happily Ever After. Uh-huh. And they pan up, and Jake is, like, up there. He's like, yes. And the implication there is, like, you were watching the date? Uh-huh. Like, that's, that's like, creepy. creepy. Right. I, I understand if you're five, and you, you, you need to make sure everything is okay. Like, that's, that's it. But he's 16-ish. Well, and Watching it's, his dad. It's also, like, you, you peek your head in. You know, maybe like every five minutes or so just to like see that like how it's going for like the first 15, 20 minutes. And then you're like, OK, he's got this. They got this. It, it worked out the way I was hoping it would. Awesome. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go do my own thing. Right. But you don't. Right, yeah. Watching the whole time. Right. You don't hover over the whole thing like that. That absolutely could have been handled with him because of how the promenade is set up, like sitting somewhere else and not not in Quarks, but sitting somewhere else doing something else. And seeing the two of them walk by and have that feeling of, like, triumph and accomplishment and satisfaction. Or go the other way with it. Have him be clandestinely kind of being the waiter at the other table. You know, the guy. <laughs> or being the other the other patron with the hat on over the newspaper. Exactly. You know? Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. Like, two tables over. Uh, <laughs> but but all of these things, right? Like he's the bartender. He's the waiter. Oh, he's all- <laughs> he's the he's the guy. He's all of them. Right. Like every right. shot where they cut away, like on the two shot for both of them. Yeah, he's like another character walking by. Right. I mean, if we're doing a comical episode, you might as well just lean hard into it. <laughs> well, it was right. Yeah, it fits. Yeah. Well, I I like the idea also. Just kind of kind of along those lines, but just making it a little bit more realistic is as they're getting up to leave. Uh, Cisco goes over to a table, you know, and he's like, nice job, son. You know, and then it shows Jake with like a mustache and sunglasses or something. And he's like, oh, what? Your son? What do you mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) or 
just goes on to him and he keeps having him beamed away. But but Jake comes back as a different character, hoping he won't be recognized. Right. And he keeps getting beamed away. Uh, and just like one of the times he's running up and just gets beamed away. He's <laughs> like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it, Dad, now we'll never know. <laughs> and then the episode ends. Yeah. All's well on the farm. Yep. Everything everything resets. Ben has a new love. Jake has a future stepmom. Quark yeah. and his mom get along well. Yeah. Just and all with Rom. You know. I guess that's the only thing we can say is that probably the Quark relationship Quark's relationship with Rom is maybe a little bit better now. Yeah. He probably doesn't take him for granted. Right. I mean he does. But he does. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. He forgets all it resets. All, yep. Uh, he forget all he forgot all this happened by next week. <laughs> <laughs> all right well so obviously for me we said this before not a star trek episode not a star trek episode not, i thoroughly enjoyed proper, it not a proper star trek. yeah um, yeah this this was an episode it was well done yeah i did not enjoy it i did not i did not like it i felt like it was there was just not enough going on in spite of how good the performances were and the fact that there was actually darts darts made it into the episode right yeah just, talk, just in reference yeah their lucky dartboard yeah. yep right and yeah. they kept on – what was weird for me is they kept on uh, saying that it, that it wasn't about the board. They just liked playing on it. It wasn't the lucky dart board. Uh-huh. They just like, no, no, no. It's not lucky. It's just we like playing on that one. Right. I was like, why are you why, – like, why is it bad to have a, a lucky dart board? <laughs> why were they pushing back on that? I didn't understand. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I need answers. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, not a proper Star Trek episode. Yeah. And you you agree? I agree. Okay. I agree. Um and one one last comment, just you talking about how the, the fight at one and a half speed was was hilarious. There was an argument that they were having. I think it was while Quark was actually deducing how like how much profit she genuinely had. And even at one and a half speed, I looked at my phone twice, being like, Is this at one and a half speed? Like there was there was so much <laughs> pause between conversation yeah. or like they were saying things so slowly that at one and a half speed, I was still shocked at how slow this scene was moving. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of jarring to just go back to one speed and right. listen to it. You're like, Oh wow, this is intolerable. Well, should we see what we're watching next now? Yes. Star Trek Voyager season two, episode 14 alliances. This might be our first season. No, it's not. No, the only the so only season the we first... haven't done yet is DS9 season seven. I feel like it's a good Star Trek uh, episode title if you can put Star Trek in front of it and it sounds like its own show. Star Trek Alliances. Star Trek Alliances. I would watch that show. Right. Like, what does that mean? Finally, Star- the Federation and the Borg get together to defeat. <laughs> well, I guess they did that in Voyager. They did that. That's a thing in Voyager where they whatever species two six nine seven you know eight six seven whatever <laughs> they did that. Okay, so nobody did anything creative on this one. They they have the same blurb for both Hulu and Prime. So it oh, says, hoping, "That's interesting." Right, hoping to strengthen Voyager's strategic position in the quadrant, Janeway reluctantly seeks an alliance with the Kazon. Okay. Oh, well, okay. I'm glad you. The not Klingon. Intrigued. Yeah, the 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 Klingons from Wish, the Klingons that you order off of Wish. <laughs> okay. Well, it's Voyager, so I'm not expecting you to like it at all. So. <laughs> that's harsh i wouldn't say that i don't like them 
I just well, it's your least favorite, right? It is least def- favorite show. Yes, and the more we go on, the more that holds true. But <laughs> the more that's cemented. Yeah. Um. But also, it's just. I yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Let's let's just go watch it. We'll find out. Okay. Maybe this will be the one to change your mind. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything's possible. You just have to believe. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now I've been Jonathan and I've been Paul and this has been the measure of an episode. But you already knew that. I'm gonna get another. I'm gonna get another one. How how do you do Janeway? Like it's hard to to have to do her. No, that was perfect. Was it? Oh man! Just because I totally forgot that we were doing that. It's <laughs> <laughs> you forget every single time. I don't understand. It's our new thing. Oh, it's too new. And so like we're just reaching the end, and it just slips my mind. And then just here, I've been Paul. But you already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Audrey Hepburn. Right. <laughs> On weed. I mean, this is essentially what it is. <laughs>